Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. I know I had my blood drawn this week, and uh, you know some of you can't even look. How many can't even look? They got to look away. Raise your honors. You raise your hand. I just like to watch them put that needle right up in there and face my face my uh, fears. Jacob and I have been kind of leading you through this uh, this little small book by a very very popular author named Tom Rainer, and um, so we're kind of getting our cue and our inspiration from this book called I Am a Church Member. And uh, I wonder this morning if you are a healthy church member. And the title of this morning's message we'll get to in a moment is Leading Your Family to Be Healthy Church Members. I was looking at uh, uh, my family and my clan, and I was looking at uh, my daughter-in-law's clan all up here and how we've had the privilege to lead our families to be healthy church members. And what a joy it is today, David and myself, to be able to look at the hard work that is involved in raising your children to be healthy church members. And we're going to learn a little bit about that this morning. But what we have talked about is that it is not necessarily a country club membership. This week I had the privilege to go play golf with Joshua, my son, who's a great golfer. He's actually a better better golfer than I am. And uh, some members asked us to go play at Grand Oaks Country Club. Now, you may know this country club by by the movie Caddyshack. How many have seen the movie Caddyshack? Okay, so we got to play there. And the minute you pull up, I mean, there's a valet ready to park your car, take your clubs out of the truck and of course, mine was a truck. Everybody else was driving all kind of different kind of cars. And, and then you pull up there, and your money's no good there at all. They, they, you cannot pay to golf there. They actually pay for it themselves. If you're a member and then you're a guest, well, then they pay for you. You, you, you can't pay for the practice balls at all. I mean, usually I have to pay 10, 12 bucks just to get some, um, you know, practice shots in before the game. Food. Food's on the house. I mean, there's a lot of perks to go into this private club. They give you towels, water. I mean, they're tossing water around. I mean, those are a buck fifty, two bucks, three bucks if you go to the Miami Heat game. It's a lot of money. There's a lot of perks involved in this. The only thing that they didn't add was they wouldn't take a golf swing for me. I had to do my own golfing. But that, that's a country club membership, and we enjoy it. Come on, face it. We, we like things like that. But that's not what the church is. And so the author and Jacob and I are piggybacking on that concept that the church is not a country club membership. It's different. It looks different. And so in his book, he brings out that a country club membership is not like a, not unlike a gym membership with all the perks and the benefits. The church membership is about serving, and perhaps this picture will help you see really in contrast what a, what a club membership is to what a 
church membership. It's all about this. Now, how many of you would join a country club if that's what you had to do? You had to pay money to actually wash all the people that are coming in, wash their feet. This is the view that God wants you and me to have about being a member in his club. And all of you are glad. You just, we just sang a while ago, you've been washing the blood. I bet you, not one of you want, wants to revoke your membership to be a part of God's family. Anybody here like that? I want to revoke my membership. The blood that covered my sin. By the way, family members, you need to remind your family what a church member is because so often people had a bad view or they have an erroneous view of what a church member is. Remember the word church. You must explain to your kids and your family that it means ecclesia, a called out assembly to gather to meet. You could be, there could be a lot of different types of ecclesias, meeting for all different kind of purposes. But we're meeting to honor and worship the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who washed away your sins with his blood. That's the purpose of the church. And you are a member of that church. Now, I want to give you this particular passage of Scripture to remind you of that truth found in 1 Corinthians 12. Whether you like it or not, you're a member. I'm sure you like it. Now, some people say, well, I, I love God and I love Jesus, but I really don't like the church. Or I'm not a member of the church. Now, what would you think if I told you I'm an NFL player, and then you ask me, well, what team are you on? Well, I don't have a team, but I'm an NFL player. Well, who, what team are you on? What team are you a member of? I'm not. And you would think, well, I'm a fraud. A lot of people walking around saying, I'm a member of God's family, but they're not plugged in into any church at all. But God plugged you in whether you like it or not, but I'm sure you do like it because the passage here says in 1 Corinthians 12, now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a member of it. You are a member of God's family. Now, are you a healthy member or are you unhealthy? So I want to talk a little bit about leading your family to become healthy church members. So our first point, before we get to our first point, I want to give you even a, a greater picture found in John chapter 2, what an unhealthy church member or church looks like. Remember, the church is made of members. So let's look at John chapter 2. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, hard to hear Jesus say this, get out of here. Stop turning my father's house. Stop turning my church into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, the zeal for your house will consume me. 
Now, you, well, you, is that a church? Yes, it's a church. It was a bunch of people, God-fearing people, that were in a location to honor God, and it was so designated as a place to honor God. This building has been designated as a place to worship and honor God, and Jacob and I worked so hard at protecting it to make sure that everything we do in this place is done and designed to honor our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, they weren't doing that. Therefore, there must be a lot of unhealthy members in that place at that time. So that's a picture of an unhealthy church member or an unhealthy church that causes over 2.7 million people to leave the church every year. Out of 210 million adults in this country, over the last few years, 65 million churchgoers have left the church. We want to straighten out those stats this morning. Well, one of the ways you can do that, first of all, if you're taking down notes, I want you to think about planks and splinters. Now, this is an easy object lesson for you to teach your family how to become healthy church members. So here's my little illustration in class, pupils. You get yourself a little log or you can get yourself a long plank because all those words are used in this passage that I'm about to quote to you. And then I was trying to find a splinter, but you might not be able to see it. I was going to put some sawdust up here because that's what the translation teaches. Or you can take a little splinter. So this represents a splinter and you're sitting down with your family and you're reminding them how to be good church members. You remind them, first of all, that there is no perfect person. If you will teach your children that in the home, then when they go and they're in the middle of a church, they'll understand that there is no perfect person in the church. How do you do that? Get out your old beam or your log and you put it right there, okay? And then you take the splinter and you put it over there in their eye, but don't hit them in the eye, but just put it near their eye. And then you quote this passage of Scripture found in Matthew chapter 7 with one eye. Why do you look at the speck? Now, in some translations, it says splinter. Not as handsome as you thought it was, huh? No. And then some of your translations, the one I'm reading right now is the NIV. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eyes? Some of the translations read, why do you look at the, and it might be the splinter or the sawdust, and then others is a beam or a plank or a log in your brother's eye, and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, hey, wait a minute. Let me get that little splinter out of your eye or that speck out of your eye. When all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck in your brother's eye. Now that's a little lesson, 101 lesson teachers you can take and, and family members you can take to your children and your grandchildren and they probably will not forget it. Remind them what it represents. There is no perfect person in the church. If you would teach that to your children 
and to your spouse. They'll remember this lesson so that when, when they go to church and they start looking at all the imperfections and they get their eyes on them and off of themselves and then they go, well, I'm not going to that church anymore. I'm leaving it because they're a bunch of hypocrites down there. And they forget again about the beam in their own eye. It will serve its purpose. There is no perfect family members. Therefore, there are no perfect church members. And there's no perfect church. I know you've heard this said. You're looking for the perfect church? You start attending? What happens? It's not a perfect church anymore because you just entered into the church. I know we laugh, but I'm telling you, it will go a long ways in retaining healthy church members. You know, I realized something that Paul did. Paul, when he looked at the church, and I do the same thing, when I see each one of you, and you profess that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, immediately my radar goes right for that spot in you. You like Jesus? Tell me all about him. And then my heart and my spirit is drawn to that in you and overlooks your imperfections just like I want you to overlook my imperfections. That's how it works. That's what Paul teaches us. We'll have a lot healthier church if we'll remember there are no perfect people, therefore there are no perfect churches. Tell your children that. Help them remember that with that illustration. Secondly, you cannot lead your family to be healthy members if you're not healthy yourself. Unhealthy members. Can you imagine, I'm going to really exaggerate, a thousand pound person standing up here. I want to tell you how to get in shape. Here's what I've done to get in shape. Are you going to listen to that person? Not at all. You see, your children are not going to listen to you if you are not a healthy church member yourself. What does an unhealthy church member look like? Well, those are easier for each one of us to explain. They're miserable, constant complainers. The church is too hot. The church is too cold. I said, tell me, tell me, is it too cold here? No, tell me it's too hot in here. Tell me you're lying. You're just sitting there. (laughs) Okay. The music's too loud. The music's too low. I've never heard that one before. (laughs) There's too much smoke. Too dark. Unforgiving. A lot of gossipers. Those are unhealthy church members. In fact, the scripture will elaborate on that a little bit more. Let me give you that passage found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's what that unhealthy church member is like. Paul said, for I am afraid that when I come to you to the church of Corinth, remember that was a very problematic church, but yet it stands out as a great church in the Bible, that I may not find you as I want you to be. And you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. 
That's what an unhealthy church member is like, or an unhealthy church is like. I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. You see, if you're that kind of person, you're not going to be able to lead your family to be healthy church members if you are unhealthy yourself. So how do you become a healthy church member? It's very simple. Stay, I wanted to use a picture on there, stay plugged in. Stay plugged in. Many of you know when you come home from work, you, you unplug. You unplug from work, you unplug from everybody, you unplug from your spouse who's, who's waiting for you to pay attention to her or your kids or vice versa. But God's teaching you and me, if we want to be healthy, healthy church members and teach our family to be healthy church members, we need to stay plugged in. But let's use a spiritual term, and that is to stay connected to the vine. We may have a picture up here. Stay connected to the vine. Because if the branch doesn't stay connected to the vine, it is not going to be fruitful or healthy. Here's the passage, John 15, 5. You're familiar with this. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That was the very passage that we prayed over our children for years and years. God, will our children be fruitful? Will they? I want them to grow in wisdom, in stature, in favor with you. And with man, God took that desire of my wife and my heart, and he caused it to be fruitful beyond our wildest imagination. Because our desire, above all desires that we had, as imperfect as we are, was to bring honor and glory to him. We wanted our children to know the greatest person that has ever existed on this planet and we wanted him to, them to know his bride. Who's his bride? The church. The church. So in order for you to be a healthy church member, you must stay plugged into Jesus. You don't come home and say, well, I want to unplug breathing. Nor do you want to ever get unplugged from Jesus. Stay plugged into Jesus. That's the key. Now, the third thing I'd like to bring to your attention to help your family become healthy church members is look at the family and the church. The family is analogous to the church. It's constantly used as, an, as a comparison. It's likened to the church. So take that example and explain it to your kids what it's all about, the church and the family, the home is where it begins. It is a picture of the church. Ephesians 5 is going to help us with three pictures. The, the family is a picture of the church. The husband and wife is a picture of the church. And the parent and the child is a picture of the church. And they must run smoothly and function properly in order to have a healthy church. Ephesians 5 helps us with that picture. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. 
Now, if you, if you, if, if, if you have a hard problem with this, then you're going ha- to have to kick out the next part of the verse. For the husband is the head of the wife as what? Christ is the head of the church. So if you want to delete that because of the world that we live in today, and because we wouldn't be politically correct by using that terminology, that the wives must be submissive to the husbands, then if you're saying that's kind of ancient and it's archaic and it really doesn't belong here in the church in the 21st century, then you have to go over to the other parts of the verse and say that Christ is not the head of the church. Do we want to kick that part out too? Hmm. See, you can't, we don't want to pick and choose what God's told us. But there's something in this for everybody, not just for the woman. The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. That has something for the husbands, too. Husbands, love your wives. Here's how he wants us to love them. Just as Christ loved the church, and what did he do? He gave himself up for her. Now, what woman wouldn't mind being submissive to that kind of man? If he's the man he should be, then she'll most likely follow suit. So that's the picture that we must represent to our children if we're going to have a healthy home and we're going to have healthy church members. They must understand God's plan for the family. And we could joke around about a lot of the things that go on in the household, about who's in charge, who wears the britches in the house. But God's plan is for the man to lead spiritually in the home. And it's God's plan for the woman to carry the child. I have news for you. Flash bulletin. All this gender confusion stuff can be settled with one question. If a guy thinks he's a girl, then I'm going to ask him, would you like to carry a baby, please? A guy can't carry a baby no matter what he thinks in his head, right? He can't have a baby. Therefore, he's a Jerk, I mean a male. <laughs> if he thinks he can have a baby. So you have such a precious role that a man does not have. And a man has a precious role that a woman does not have. And that burden rests on his shoulders. The second picture we're given is again. The husband and the wife, he kind of makes that transition, says, okay, you're, having, you're a little confused about the family and the church, so let me, let me nail it home with this point. The, what I've been talking about in Ephesians 5.32, he says, I know this is a profound mystery, but what I am talking about when I'm talking about this relationship is about Christ and the church. Look at all that love that's going around. Look at about all that submissiveness. Look at about all that order. I'm explaining it to you in terms of how a family operates. But what I'm really trying to communicate to you is how Christ and his bride operates. But then he goes quickly right back again to the, okay, but you don't get off the hook. Here it is again. However, each one of you must love his wife 
as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband's. So he's nailing home this point as you communicate to your children how the family works. That's how the church is supposed to work. And then you'll raise healthy church members. He makes one more illustration in Ephesians about this relationship, the family and the church. Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, about the parent and child relationship. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. By the way, I wish we would tell our children, do you know what happened to children in the Old Testament when they disobeyed their mom and dad and they talked bad about them? They were stoned. Remind them of that. I remember when, you know, we, we always had Mr. Kaboom in our home. Mr. Kaboom was a paddle because I was taught by a great guru, huh? Great, a great guru um, about your children shouldn't fear you. So don't be going around smacking them and slapping them, elbowing them, punching them. Use something else that they would fear. And so we had Mr. Kaboom in our closet, and we would use that. But then Joshua got a little bit too older to use Mr. Kaboom on. You know, they get to a certain age, you just feel a paddle and a belt just doesn't work. So I know my son had been giving my wife a hard problem, but he never did it in front of me. Finally, one day he did it in front of me. And I looked over there and I ran over there and my wife goes, yes, yes, I'm glad he got caught. And I said, let's go outside. We're going to rumble. And so we had a nice little wrestling match on the ground, and I put the holy fear of God in him. I, well, I better not take that illustration too far. But if you don't teach your children how to respect their mom and their dad, then you're going to have an unhealthy church. I remember when my kids really got out of line with mama. I would be very angry. I would say, that's my wife. That's not your mother. Right now, that's my wife. If someone else talked to my wife like that, well, you can imagine what would happen to me. <laughs> I have a shotgun. I have a pistol. I have a, <laughs> in my house, a baseball bat. Okay, a couple more and we're finished. Again, we want you to look at your family and the church. And too many people are leaving the church because it's unhealthy. Or they think it's unhealthy. Because they have their eyes, again, they have this in their eye, and they're looking at the faults of everyone else. That's easy to do if you don't train yourself in the Word of God. To look out through the eyes of Christ and love them like he loves them. Look, after all, look in the mirror at yourself. What did you like, look like before you came to Christ? What do you look like now after you've come to Jesus Christ? The, the fourth thing is prayer and worship. Prayer and worship should be done in the home. If you don't do that in the home, and you only do it when you come here, that doesn't mean you have to have a service and have the smoke and you have to have the darkness and you have to have all the things that we do here. It just means that, have you ever 
pulled your children aside and actually prayed for the church. Prayed for the leaders instead of going home after the church and talking about the pastor and the beam he had in his eye and having roast preacher. Oh, how many times I've heard, I sat down with my mom and dad and all they did is talk about the pastor. Or all they did is talk about the deacons. How about if you prayed for the church and you prayed for the leaders and you prayed that they would not fall immorally and you prayed for courage and you prayed that the Holy Spirit would be at work? I'm talking about literally praying with your kids about the church. When's the last time you did that with your family? That will go a long ways in producing healthy church members. It will help your children see how you view those leaders. In our family, we work extremely hard. It, no one does this perfectly. No one, as James said, can bridle their tongue perfectly. But we work extremely hard on gossip because it will produce unhealthy family members in an unhealthy church. Pray. Here's what Philippians teaches us. Paul said about the church in Philippi, I thank my God every time I remember you. Is that what happens when you think about your church or Victory Life Church? <laughs> Hallelujah for Victory Life Church. Amen. Does it send you into a, a, a little war dance? Wow, thank you, God, for my church. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion unto the day of Jesus. Lead your family to pray for the leaders in the church and to pray for the church. I pray right now what is happening in Kentucky will happen here. We have prayer meetings that are beginning here that are they're continuing on a Tuesday. We have someone in our church that's leading a group. It's called a small group. We hope the group expands. But each Tuesday, we are praying from 7 till about 9 over this church. And then what about worship? How about the family coming to church together? Now, as a pastor for many, many, many years, one of the things I'm not excited about, and I'll be very soft and kind about this. I mean, can you imagine taking some of your members and letting someone else raise them, and then you're raising the other part of the family this way, and they're raising them that way? To me, when you go to a church, that's your family because you're the eye, you're the nose, you're the arm, you're the leg, as 1 Corinthians 12 teaches us, right? But then you send your kids to another church, to another youth group. I'm not real excited about that because it's like getting married. At least this is my illustration. It may not be yours. It's like two people getting married and saying, well, I have a bank account and you have a bank account. What's going to happen to that family? There's going to be division in that family. 
And when someone else, first of all, you should be raising your kids. And the church comes alongside and assists you and um, piggybacks on what you're already doing in the home. One of the sad things, again, about the church, see, the church is made up of what? Believers. Why are we asking all the unbelievers to come to our youth group? Now, wait, wait, there's a time for evangelism. Don't get me wrong. I've been in trouble about this since the first church I served in. You should tell people about Jesus out there, win them out there, and then invite them to come to church. That's the, that's the ideal way to do it. Now, I know there's a practical way to do it. The Holy Spirit's working on them, and yes, you invite them to come to church. If the Holy Spirit's not working on them, they don't want to be in church. When the Holy Spirit wasn't working on you, did you want to go to church? The only time I ever did that, when I was in the army, I was smoking some stuff that I don't know what it was, and they said, hey, if you come to church and get baptized, you get to go to heaven. I said, whoopee-doo, let me go. I went to church, got baptized, came back, and did the same thing I did before. Lead your family to worship together. Invite them to Christ out there. Then invite them to come to church. Because if you hate the ocean, this is the illustration I've always used, if you hate the ocean, and I hate the ocean, and I had a guy, by the way, in my first church I served in, he was in, a, he was in World War II. He was a small, mighty guy, arms like this, was like Popeye. And uh, he was on a supply ship, and it blew up. And he was in the water in the ocean for three days. I, I think that's how the story goes. And he watched some of the sharks eat his fellow soldiers. He survived. This mighty little guy was terrified to go into a shower or into a bathtub because of what he experienced. If you don't like the ocean and you buy a big brand new boat and you ask me to go on it, what am I going to tell you? Is it on dry land? <laughs> I'm not going to want to get in the boat. Why in the world would you want to come to the boat, the church, and Jesus is the sea when you don't even like him and don't want to be around him. And you're inviting tons of people to come to a youth group that takes all the godly children that we have. And guess what the godly children do when ungodly kids come in? I've seen it in my home. Oh, they do that? Woo. Oh, they smoke that? Woo. Oh, they steal that? Woo. Oh, they talk back to mom and dad? Woo. We have to be very wise raising up a youth group. I bet many of you have never really thought about that. We brought our kids to Christian school almost all their lives. One of the things that really bothered me, if you're spending big money to send your kids, say, to Calvary, some of you are spending a lot of money. Why are you sending your kids to private school? Why are you sending them to a Christian school? Because you want to get them out of the public school where they get away from all the foul language, all their heathen ways, and you're hoping and praying that they have a greater chance to succeed in life because of the environment that you put them in, the Christian environment and Christian teachers and Christian people. Now, you could be mission-minded and say, we're going to let a few people in 
that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I don't know if Calvary actually does that. Let's see my wife. Do they? No, they don't. So she's shaking her head. No. You have to be saved to get in there. And why in the world do we have a different standard in the church? You see, displayed on television all over is we're going to make the church a place where we can bring all these people to come and get saved. What you do is you bypass your responsibility, just like Adam did in the garden, when he bypassed his responsibility to protect Eve. You're bypassing your responsibility to be a priest or an ambassador for God or a reconciler for God and lead them to Christ out there. Once again, I'm not saying you shouldn't ever invite someone to church. But if the Holy Spirit's not working them, they don't want to be here. Have you ever tried to get someone to come to church that doesn't know Jesus? They don't want to be here. They may come just to appease you or make you happy. The bottom line is families worship together. The church is made up of believers. Your home should be a believing home. And if it's a believing home and you pray together and you talk about God and you live for God out there on the ball field, out there in the grocery store, out on vacation, then you are worshiping God properly. And then when they come to church, you talk about singing, Jacob. Oh, my goodness. You'll have people, you might have to keep people from running up and down the aisles because they're going to be praising and worshiping God. And faith, faith can abound in the church then because it's not made up of a lot of unbelievers. Remember, Jesus couldn't do a lot in his home church because of what? Because of unbelief. Again, our youth... Director has their, he and others have their jobs cut out for them as people come and they want to be a part of a group. But let me tell you something. I was very careful whose house my kid stayed over and who they hung out with. Weren't you guys? Then why do we throw that out the window when it comes time to church? Something to think about as we end with this point. Jesus and the church. A picture of the bride and groom. This is what I want to leave you with. You see, Jesus is the man that represented. This is the picture God gives us in his word. We are the girls. This is one time you get to be a girl. The church is the girl, okay? If you ever were little and you always wanted to dress up like a little girl, that was okay when you were one or two years old, okay? But let's get off that after... One and a half, two the most. We're the girl in this play. He wants us to remember this. And you tell your family this. You tell your kids this. Hey, the church is Jesus' bride. I don't know about you, but I never went around into the workplace, out there on the pickleball court, the golf course. And let me tell you about my old lady. What a hag she is. What a hack she is. If you've done that about your spouse, be it male or female, meaning it's opposite, how terrible that is. I, I couldn't stand when men would talk about their wives or the moms and dads that way. And there's people that 
profess to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, that talk about his bride. I don't want him. I don't want to be in the church. You're saying, I don't want to be around Christ. Yes, there are imperfect people in the church, and if there is a false doctrine going under the church, try to change it. And if it's so corrupt, then finally leave it if there is terrible doctrine that goes against his word. But there's no church you're going to be able to go to that is perfect. There is no perfect church. And God asks us not to like him, but to love him and love his bride. Here's what he teaches us again about love and about the church. John 15, 9. As the Father has loved me, this is Jesus talking. How perfectly did God love his son? Uh, so I have loved you. That's us. That's the church. Now remain in my love. How do you do that? By keeping my commandments. And you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. I go back to that passage again that we read in Ephesians to remind us about this bride and groom relationship. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed it and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we're all members of his body. Just a testimony as we end. I, Ron Bramus, love the church. So the day I got saved, I dove in the church. No one had to beg me to come to church. No outside source had to convince me. Wherever Jesus was and his people were, that's where I wanted to be. I love the church so much that on my wedding night, the next day I said, honey, we're going to Sunday school and church. How do you like that? And you don't like it? Then I'm going to get Mr. Kaboom out of the closet. <laughs> I didn't say that. I remember when I locked my keys in as just before I married her, I locked my keys in the trailer on a Sunday morning. I couldn't drive my car. I'm going to church. And I walked probably two miles to the church called Lifeline Baptist Church. I'm so glad I did because that church saw the gift of God of preaching in me. And they sent me off to a college. They licensed me to the ministry because I refused to stay home and make an excuse that I could not. This is not legalism, by the way. It's not legalism. I love the church. It's Christ's bride. The church I love so much. Then when company comes over, we're going to church. You want to stay home? You want to sleep? We're going to church. They need to know who we're in love with. Again, this is not legalism. This is what's in your heart. Do you love the church? Are you leading your family members to become healthy church members? If not, today you can change that. 
You can repent of your sins. You can be washed in the blood. And you can begin to say, God, when I go home today, we're not going to have Rose Preacher tonight. I'm going to pray for the pastor. I'm going to pray for the church. I'm going to lead my family to church. Would you stand at this time? I pray that there's enough golden nuggets today for you to revive your attitude toward the church or readjust your thinking about the church or add some things that you would like to do in your home to make sure that you raise healthy church members. So, Father, may your word go forth and not return void. Thank you, God, for this church, Victory Life Church, and thank you for the body of Christ, the church at large. And, Father, remind every believer here that one day we'll be living with the church the rest of our lives. So help us, Father, fall deeply in love with your bride, as imperfect as it is, on earth, the church. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.